<laughs> last night was tense. I have never in my life seen my child act like that. Like last night, I just was like, I looked at her and she was so upset and she was like screaming. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this is not my child. Like screaming when you were trying to take her out of my house. Yeah. And then, no, it was ten times worse. Like, her face would just get red, and she would shake and scream, and like, don't touch me. And I finally looked at her, and I was like, the power of Christ can help you. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know. Like, Jonathan, bring the holy water. <laughs> this is a true story. Exercise of here sitting there, and I looked at her, like... What did you just say? She did. She just was so... I was like, this is... I don't know what's going on. Welcome to another episode of Gem Junkies. I'm Brecken. And I'm Jonathan. And we are back from Montana. Yes. Back in our basement. Yep, back in the basement. Recording another podcast. Yep, staring at puzzles. Staring at puzzles. <laughs> one day we're gonna have to People show don't you. That. One day we're gonna have to show you a picture of the room we record in. So, how long have we been in this building, Jonathan? Uh, twenty some years. Twenty some years, and in the early years of being here, right. Everyone on our team liked to do puzzles at, at break and lunchtime. So they'd come down here, and there'd be a puzzle set up, and. And then they would put glue on them and then put them on the wall. Yeah, like art. (laughs) Like artwork. So now we have 90s puzzles all over the walls. All over the walls. We're staring at an American flag, a log cabin in the woods. That looks tropical to me. No, it looks more like the South. Yeah, I was going to say Charleston or something. We've got a quaint Winter colonial village. An Americana something. Kind of folk art. And, the teamwork and then there's a teamwork. <laughs> People see that when I post. <laughs> and then there's a teamwork sign, because teamwork makes the dream work. There we go. All right. So today we have another Parlay team member here with us, Marty Burns. Hi, Marty. Hey, how are you? And so we're going to kind of, I mean, we kind of talked about introducing you to the Parlay team. And, you know, there are different jobs and responsibility within our business and the industry, so you can get a better idea of how things work on the dark side (laughs) of the jewelry industry. (laughs) I didn't realize it was so dark. It's so dark. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so Marty joined the team, I don't even know how many years ago. 2014. 2014. Moved from Oklahoma. We rescued him from tornadoes <laughs> yes thank god <laughs> and um tell us a little bit about your start in the jewelry industry because you've been in it for a long time yeah it's basically started in 1986 mm-hmm. um i was living in salt lake city utah and i went to the university of utah i know i know your I'm alma mater so right now can't amazed even... i would never admit that Jonathan, but... get out of here I I get along with Marty for about 50 weeks out of the year. There are about two weeks where it's a little cutthroat between us because he is a BYU fan. And I, of course, am a diehard University of Utah fan. And so when the Holy War rolls around, 
it's well, a constant you know. battle. <laughs> I don't really understand why it's a constant battle. They haven't won in ten years. I mean, well, we're talking about it's mine, Jonathan, but who's counting, right? I am. We are. And so are you. But there's always next year. Anyway, so is there next year? We haven't finished that. I know. We've got you scheduled for next year. God. So beneath you. <laughs> I'm going to call up Kyle. Hey, you're playing. I'm going to call up Kyle Whittingham come on. and say, come on. Well, yeah, we probably paid him a lot of money. I anyway, did. okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we digress. We digress. Yeah. <laughs> you went to the U, Marty. Well, I went up there for some classes. You turned coat? I did. I did. <laughs> I went from red to blue. Um, but, you know, the, I was doing some research on what I wanted to do as far as a career was concerned. Mm-hmm. And so they had some really uh, great classes that dealt with different types of careers. And they had a... So the education, too, is superior to the Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, the thing was is that there was an opportunity where we could take a test that kind of talked about personality. Mm-hmm. And so my friend and I, Brett Anderson went over to the university, took the test, and I got my results back, and it said that I would be good in cells. Mm-hmm. And one thing that my dad and I used to do, and my friend David Kynes and I and his father would go into Southern California up the Merced River. We'd pan for gold and pick up a bunch of nuggets and stuff. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be in sales, I'm going to do something that I would enjoy. Yeah. And so I went into the jewelry industry and actually started working for uh, – Fred Meyer Jewelers mm-hmm. and just general sales. And then I, within three months, I was managing one of their stores. And then I went and did a brand new opening up in Chico, California. Uh-huh. And uh, that's when I really kind of knew that I wanted to be a gemologist. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Neil Jackman there in Salt Lake City that uh, kind of... Um, really kind of worked me through what I needed to do to become a gemologist. And he gave me all the, all the footwork and the pathways in which I needed to go. And I did, and I followed it. And, and I just decided I couldn't do, uh, distance learning it just it, it just does doesn't work for me yeah. i needed more of a, needed a sit down school campus environment and so i opted to do that and uh, i went to uh gia down in santa monica california when and, it was at in santa monica yeah yeah, yeah. During the riots, that was a great time. And, oh yeah! I oh remember. my gosh! I mean, I grew up in Southern California. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in '96, uh, I graduated as a GG graduate gemologist. And then from there, uh, went to work for a gentleman by the name of Bob Fields up in uh, Porterville, California. Great guy, love him to death, and he gave me an opportunity mm-hmm. to manage his uh, five thousand square foot building and. Uh, had a lot of product. There were seven employees that were there. And we just really enjoyed working. Uh, he was not a very tall man. He was like 5'3"-ish. Uh-huh. But man, he had an attitude and he had a work ethic that just you couldn't compete with. And so he really kind of took me into uh, his fold and just really kind of brought me up to where I feel like I am today. You know, I used to go to Antwerp all the time with him, do uh major diamond that buys guy. for the store. Yeah, that was when IJO was in its real infancy. Yeah. Um, and uh, we just really had fun. And we had fun going to work. And uh, he decided that he wanted to retire. And there was a friend of mine and I that said we'd buy the store. And 
we did. And back in those days, there were freezes there in the Central Valley of California. And uh, two years in a row, we had a freeze. And so it just basically took the wind right out of a brand new opportunity for us. Because the crops, yeah. Because you got 80% of all your uh, stone fruit that comes out of the the valley right there, Central Valley of California. And so when that went south, you know, I, I was carrying a lot of, uh, paper on people, you know, because everyone was everybody's friend. And, you know, I had close to $500,000 worth of accounts receivable that I couldn't collect on. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, okay. So we did a GOB and, and kind of parted ways and. Yeah. Um, so from there, how'd you end up in Oklahoma? Well, I was actually moved back to North Carolina. Uh-huh. It was like I wanted as far away from California as possible. So we decided to go to the East Coast. But I had an opportunity of uh, going to work for um, Clyde Bailey. Um, and that was a good experience in and of itself. But, you know, there's there's a difference when you're a California boy, you know, born and bred. And then you go on the East Coast. There is a completely different existence of mentality of way people think and they didn't know if I was a redneck they didn't know if I was a northerner they didn't know what I was uh-huh. and so it laid just, back California I did <laughs> <laughs> a lot of truth to that but you know it was just it was really kind of funny but I got out of that and was given <clears throat> an opportunity with Feltz Fine Jewelry there in Tulsa to uh, go to work with them as their staff gemologist. And so that worked out really fun. I enjoyed that. And then they went out of business. So it's like, <laughs> it's like every time I turned around, guys, don't go out of business, please. <laughs> no plans to. <laughs> no plans to. <laughs> but, you know, it was just kind of a uh, an odd situation. And that's when I started going to work. I went to work for uh, J. David Jewelers there in Broken Arrow mm-hmm. and uh, worked with him for several months. Uh, loved the company, loved the people that are there. Um, and then I was given an opportunity to kind of go on my own again by doing it uh, as an independent appraiser. And I worked for Heritage Appraisers uh, there out of Ohio. And I was all over Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri. Um, when I finally was doing that for three and a half weeks out of the month, it just, gone. I was gone. Family. I was yeah. gone. And that's, you know, the critical times in which the kids were growing up. And I did that for four years and it was very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I just finally called up Julia, my wife, and I said, Julia, I can't do this anymore. And uh, she says, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and I went to the website of GIA yeah. and saw the posting that Jonathan uh, posted for, in regards to Parlay. Um, I remember dealing with Idaho Opal and Gems many years ago with uh, Bob Fields Jewelers there in Central California. Mm-hmm. And then we turned around and I, I knew of the Parlay name. I knew of the, the who they were, what they represented, the quality of gemstones that they had in their pieces um, was kind of fascinating to me. And then I kind of responded to Jonathan's uh, email to me and it took us four months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took forever. <laughs> took some time. <laughs> Got to make sure that's the right candidate. Uh, yeah, yeah, you were in San Antonio. Can you meet me in San Antonio? Well, no, because I'm going to be here. <laughs> so it was like just trying took to get some, things together. 
Because that's yeah. when you guys were doing RJ and, and IJO back to back. So yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And so, so I'm being here now. Yeah. And so what you do for us is sales. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Love so it. So you take care of a lot of our customers. Yeah. Well, that's the fun part. That's the fun part. Because, you know, you get to know people. And I've been able to develop better relationships with the people that I already knew. Yeah. And then... To find new people and to go out and to become part of their lives mm-hmm. and to help them to develop their business, that's quite rewarding. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. So in your, in your time with the appraiser, with the, in the appraisal world, what was the, what was the most interesting thing that you ever appraised? Oh, that's a very good, good question. question. Um, the Farragut Foz that was created by, uh, Tiffany. Back in the early 1900s, I cannot remember the name of the gentleman that created it, but he was one of Tiffany's first uh, goldsmiths and silversmiths. And um, this was actually in a home in Oklahoma. And the guy was telling me about his story. And he said, I had this vase that, that my wife bought. And I knew that I had family and friends in the, the jewelry industry and um, and they had it on the mantle and he said that their kids would run by this thing and they were always afraid it would be knocked over, but they had no clue what they had until they brought it in. And we looked, I looked at it and the research that I was able to find out, I was going, my gosh, this is, this is a one of a kind piece. And it actually went to Sotheby's and sold for $690,000. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just something it cost them $30,000 just to be able to refurbish the piece to get it up to sellable condition. Wow. But that was forced upon him by, uh, by Sotheby's, but they said that it would add value, which it did. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, that was, that was quite exciting. And I did a lot of appraisal for him mm-hmm. and a lot of Tiffany pieces, original Tiffany pieces, which was quite exciting. How do you, I mean, appraisals are such a, I mean, they're part of the industry that I honestly don't know that much about. Right. Um, how do you determine the value of a piece? Well, I mean, everything, it all depends on what market it's going to be going into. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it's going into a retail replacement market, it's basically what the market's going to absorb um, in a retail environment. Um, the insurance companies want to be able to bring back a customer back whole in case of a loss. And so you just got to do a lot of calling. We've got a lot of uh, catalogs out there that have pricing guides to them, uh, which enables you to be able to to reach into that and kind of pull things out. Um, I know enough about the industry when it comes to how to create something, develop something. Um, so if I had to go in, I could kind of break it down and figure out, okay, this is how much it's going to cost for the metal and the, the gemstones and the, the setting and, and all those things. And so it really kind of made it, uh, it was a puzzle. Yeah. It, was, it was a puzzle and you just bring all the pieces together. You know, as a gemologist, you know, you follow your properties, right? Yeah. And the exact same thing in the insurance industry is it, or in any type of appraisal industries, you go in and you have to follow the trails to give you an end result. Did you ever have to go to court? I did once. And, <laughs> and, yeah. Well, not, I was a special witness. Uh-huh. And it was in regards to a, a large, um, ruby uh-huh. specimen piece that they said that was worth a million dollars. 
in an all reality, it was worth maybe two or three thousand dollars, if that oh, much. For yeah, for an estate. And so it was an affecting the estate. And I remember I had to go before a magistrate at the time and, and be a special witness because they were just trying to, he was trying to get back at his wife. I get it. Yeah. You know, you get it. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. No, no, I don't want to get it. I understand it. <laughs> so we get questions all the time. And even like my siblings will ask me, like, insurance replacement value versus cost versus right. actual value. What's the difference and why is an insurance replacement value often different? Well, it's because it's a different market. Mm -hmm. Okay. So an insurance replacement means that what it would cost to replace a like-kind item at today's prices. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, then you've got other venues of like fair market values Mm -hmm. that what it would take to be able to sell in an open market, you know, like as far as you've got to narrow it down, like, is it going to go through an auction or is it going to be put into an estate sale? So, you know, you got to think of how that, that item is being sold. I have a friend of mine that sells nothing but antique jewelry and she would always ask me. And so I knew the market in which she was in and I knew what kind of markups and margins that they had into it. So I could easily put that value in there based upon not only what she was selling, but everywhere else that I, I know that going out and getting comparables. Yeah. So I guess I think of it and tell me if I'm right. So we have this super unusual black opal. Right. Well, what what is fair market value? That's what it's going to sell for. Exactly. But insurance replacement costs could be higher because it's so unusual. Right. That going out and trying to find the exact same thing is almost impossible. You know, Jonathan and I have talked about this many times because what happens is that you're, what do you have to compare it with? Yeah. Okay. And what is it that the market's going to be willing to absorb? Mm-hmm. And so those are the differences that you got to go into. And it becomes an educated guess yeah. more than anything else to be I able mean, to put. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's an, an informed opinion. opinion. Yeah. It's exactly right. what it is. Yeah. Cool. Well, we kind of diverged to appraisals, but I thought that's <laughs> yeah. kind well, of something expert. I know a little bit about. I mean, I ask you to do appraisals for us all the time. I'm like, Marty, appraise this. <laughs> I don't really know what goes into it. <laughs> well, it's fun. It really is. So on the day-to-day for us, right? What, what's your day look like, Marty? Oh, well, you know, it. What do you every do at day, yeah. I'm every, wondering because I just see you. No, I'm yes. <laughs> All I do is see is the back of his head. He's wow. looking at his phone. <laughs> yeah. No, Checking I mean the BYU scores. <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I did do that. I must say, I did that on company time. <laughs> but, um, but you know, the thing is, I, you know, just coming in day to day, it's like. It never is the same. It, yeah. it just isn't. And uh, you've got a whole group of stores that are out there that all have a different call and need. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get a lot of calls coming in and you got to take care of their needs. You know, what can I do to help them to be able to make the sell? Yeah. You know, because I, in, I, the way I look at it, I am their partner. Mm-hmm. And if I can help them sell it, then they make money and I make money. Yeah. And so 
that's what I enjoy doing, the interaction, and also making a bunch of phone calls to individuals that I know in different stores across the nation. Uh, it enables me to be able to find out how things are going with them, how the market's working, uh, certain regions that are out there. You find that things are a little bit slower, a little bit faster than others. And so, you can see how things trend out. And so once you've got that game plan, then you're able to go and, and converse with these individuals on a, on a, an educated basis saying, this is what I have seen. Uh-huh. This is what may work for you. And a lot of these people, I know their inventory. Yeah. I know their stores and I know the people that either manage or own the stores. And so yeah. it makes it easier for me to be able to, to do that. But that's what I do in a, on a daily basis. We also do training mm-hmm. on webcam. We do sales off of webcam, which is always fun. Um, but you know, it's just, it's enabling us to be able to, to work with them on a one-to-one basis. And that's what I enjoy doing. So we always ask this question, what is your earliest memory of a gemstone or jewelry? It could be like a special piece that your mom wore or, you, you know, whatever. Yeah, it was actually, I remember going to uh, Sears and Roebuck. Yeah. <laughs> with my dad. Yeah, with my mom and dad. And my dad uh, had just received a bonus at work. And he, um, my mom said, you know what? You've never had a diamond ring before. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I remember going there. My dad had me so involved with picking out the ring. Uh-huh. Then he wore that up until the day he passed away so you know it's that's the first piece the the diamond ring that my dad always had now my brother has it michael if you're listening i want the ring (laughs) (laughs) so what is your favorite gemstone oh that's an easy one it's savorite garnet i mean i have absolutely um I, i i'm all about it the color is so crisp and clean that green color it sometimes could have almost a foresty bluish green and to me it's it's so rewarding to look at mm-hmm. and the more i look at the savorite garnet and to be able to um to see the history behind it um to see the people that mine the product mm-hmm. um and to, to, to know that it's completely natural, that's, that's another thing that really yeah. kind of intrigues me a lot is that the color's natural. There's nothing enhanced about it. And when you wear it, it speaks. I mean, it just calls out your name, but my second gemstone's an opal now, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. It is reel now. It yeah. I reel it in, reel it in. <laughs> Never guessed that, right? Yeah. I was a little worried you were going to say diamond. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> Diamonds are great for actions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now that I've gone on the colored side, uh-huh. yeah, I, I agree. I mean, diamonds are such an easy sell. It really is. It's almost selling a piece of paper. But to sell color? I know. I mean, you got to go after it. <laughs> I was just in a store and I... We had brought in all this beautiful colored gemstone jewelry, and I was talking to one of the sales associates. I was like, so what's your favorite gemstone? And she looked at me, and she's like, diamond. And I was like, well, I like diamond, too. See, we use them on the side <laughs> No, but, well, that's great. So let's talk about tornadoes. Oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> what? Wow, you're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> you're like, no, which one? I, so I grew up 
like you in Southern California. Right. I can handle an earthquake. Like, there, I mean, I would wake up in the mornings. Only thing flying at you is what falls off the shelf. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and my house is pretty earthquake-proof. Right. Like, we had things attached to the walls and that kind of stuff. So there wasn't a major concern there. Tornadoes come at you when you're sleeping. Right. Have you lived through a tornado? Several. Did you have a, like a bunker? Uh, well, we called it our scaredy hole, <laughs> and it was, <laughs> and it was just basically the first house when we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, didn't have a basement, and usually they have a high water table there anyway, so you can't have a basement. Uh-huh. And but underneath this staircase was this fairly large room, and uh, we were just we just moved to Oklahoma and I was watching the weather on the weather channel on TV and I could see that it was hitting it was coming across the Arkansas River it was coming through Tulsa and they said it's going down uh, uh oh gosh I can't remember the name of the street in which I lived on <laughs> Sheridan it says it's coming down Sheridan just went over Memorial High School and I'm thinking oh my gosh that's heading our direction and my everyone I said okay everyone get underneath the stairs and they were all underneath there and they were all kind of whimpering the girls were kind of crying And Dallin and I got out of the room and went to the back door. And I'm thinking, just to look. look." And and I was sitting there and I opened up the door. I I, I knew, didn't know better. (laughs) So here's my young son. This dumb California boy. And I opened up the door and I mean, it just, I mean, it was like straight line winds. Just coming through. It blew that door open, blew him over. I shut the door and we went running from there into the scary hole. And, and even I was about ready to cry because it was scary. <laughs> I mean, it was scary because you could hear things just rustling and hitting the house and, and uh, my back fence had some major damage to it, but it was skipping across. And I've been to Oklahoma a couple of times. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only a couple. One of the times we stayed with one of our friends, Ryan, he works at Mitchell's right. in Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> and my first question was like, where is your storm shelter? <laughs> and he's like, oh, we don't, I don't have one. Right. Yeah, he doesn't have one. And I thought, um, this isn't safe. And then I said, what are we going to do if there's a tornado? It was in like the second week of December, which technically is not tornado Normally season. Normally <laughs> I was like, it's coming. I was trying to be prepared. He said, it's okay. We're just, we'll go back to the store and we can, we can hide in the vault there. But he lives 45 <laughs> minutes from the store. I'm like, I'm not driving through a tornado to get to the store vault. And actually, when Frank and Sue went to Mitchell's Once, in Norman, yeah. Oklahoma, there, they, was, there was a tornado and they did the whole staff, their whole yeah, team you was to get in the vault. In the yeah. vault. Yeah. Vault. It's a big vault. It's, it's a, a walk-in. Well, it's kind of like ours. Yeah. Walk-in yeah. slash storm shelter. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, with all the tornadoes that we have here in Idaho, we've got a storm shelter here. Mm. So. I, I remember <laughs> yeah. spring this year, you and I went out. We're like, we need Marty. We, <laughs> so we had, we had, we had, 
tornado right now. We had torn uh, we had a tornado, a tornado in warning. Idaho. No, there was a tornado. It, well, it bent a tree over. So yeah. It knocked over a lawn chair. Yeah, I get it. It knocked over a lawn chair, but there was a tornado. But I remember we pulled Marty out and I said, The sky doesn't look right. Remember? Yeah. And there was like big donut forming. Yeah. Things were just rolling in the clouds. It was kind of a weird, eerie green. Yeah. yeah, which we don't have humidity. Yeah. It's weird for us. So Marty was our was our tornado expert yeah. this spring. I walked outside and said, "You know what? Let's go back inside. Let's yeah. go to the vault." <laughs> yeah. Or the giant basement that we're in right now yeah, would also true. be a pretty good uh, pretty yeah, good shelter. Down here. We got stuck here. Yeah, so my kids are up on the top yeah. of the hills. <laughs> But anyway, and we're also thankful that Dallin wasn't injured in that. Oh, gosh, Because yeah. Dallin wrote our jingle. <laughs> he did. That's true. He did. <laughs> That's true. Marty's son, Dallin, is at the prestigious uh, New York University studying composing. Yeah. Right? Composing and for, um, um, not theater, but for movies. I don't know. See, my son, uh, that's the fun right? score. He's, he's, well, yeah. He composes scores for movies. Oh, yeah. All I know is that he calls me up and says, Dad, I want you to listen to this song and tell me what you think about it. And I tell him, I say, I like it. I don't like it. And he goes, well, if you don't like it, tell me why. And But, you know, then he kind of reels me back in. He says, Dad, you really don't have the ear for music, but I just am asking <laughs> you. <laughs> But, you so know, thanks but for your opinion, but it yeah, doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah, it's like, okay. He said, that's not going to fit because this is what I'm trying to get at. Well, if that's what you're trying to get at, then I understand it. Yeah. But, yeah. So some know. of his finest work must be the Jim Junkies jingle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Dallin is and, uh, one out of six. six. Dallin's six one kids. out of six. Yeah, Dallin is number three. Dulcie's number one, Sophia's number two, Dallas number three, Daniel's number four, Audrey is number five, and Joseph is number six. There you go. There you go. And all with one's woman. And Just they're all out of the house. You're an empty nester. Well, well no, Joseph, Joseph is living there temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Daniel comes and goes, you know, Joseph came and but you know i'm glad to have him there of course it's always good to have kids back at that and one of what daniel is the mma fighter yeah yeah Yeah. so we got a composer an mma fighter (laughs) yeah Yeah. you've got you've bred quite the the yeah we've got a genre (laughs) yeah i remember joseph going because he was uh, actually he was young at the time it was like 12 years old, 10, mm-hmm. well, he was 10 years old, and uh, he wanted something to do. And so Daniel was fighting for Kun uh, Crew Adams there out of uh, Adams uh, Fight School, and Joseph would go, and he would grapple, and he would, it was Muay Thai fighting. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, that kid, they called him the bleeder because every time he got punched, I mean, his nose, his shirt would just be bloody nice. And you actually call this fun. Yeah, you want to go know. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah Jonathan fun. and I went to some Muay Thai fights. One Muay Thai, in, yeah. In uh, Thailand. We had one of, a, one of our schoolmates, one of our, our friends at school That's was a brutal. Muay Thai farter. Yeah. Farter. <laughs> fighter. <laughs> what? <laughs> One of our that friends at school was a Muay Thai fighter. He did MMA yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. We went to MMA fights. Yeah. yeah. But there was a lot of that yeah. in, in Bangkok. Yeah. Cool. 
So one of Marty's next events is you're going to be out on the road in Oklahoma. Right. Have fun with the tornado. Tornado <laughs> season is... Uh, they said the weather's been pretty up and down right now, so I'm just hoping it kind of cools down a little bit, yes. But it is still tornado season. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. Okay. Yeah, it's it the is. fall. Well, yeah, summer November. Yeah. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> Thank you. But anyway, he's going to be at the Oklahoma Jewelers Association Conference speaking on colored gemstones. And that is the 21st and 22nd of September. Yes. If you want yeah. to meet Marty in person. But you also get to go out and do fun things like special events. Too. Oh, yeah. All over the nation. That's the fun part. Um, you know, we, we offer our or their guest customers uh an experience yeah and that's what's fun about it i mean you could go in there we have uh powerpoints that talk about uh, the gem and jewelry industry color specific like opal or or the corundum family or the barrel family whichever one you're talking about at that specific time um and then we go and then we have a sales event the next following two days and sometimes it just is Meeting new, interesting people, which yeah, is fascinating. I, I love seeing where our jewelry goes. Oh, my gosh, like, yes. That's the one thing that I miss most of all from working retail is seeing actually who the jewelry goes home with. Right. Because we put so much time and effort into to making these beautiful pieces and picking out beautiful stones. And then we sell them and they go on their way, but we don't get to see... The end story. Right. Who who gets it for their 50th anniversary or anything right. like that. So that's another reason why I like special events too. Oh I my gosh, to- they're just an absolute blast. An absolute yeah. blast. And they're, you know, it's tiring mm-hmm. because usually you get there 9 o'clock in the morning and it's 10 o'clock at night by the time you get back to your hotel room. Uh-huh. But I would do it all over again. I yeah. mean, it's just that much fun. Yep. Yeah. So so Marty's next one, if you happen to live in the uh, Kansas City, Missouri area, he will be at Kennedy's Custom Jewelers and in uh, Blue Springs, Missouri. And that's going to be the 26th through the 28th of September. Yeah, and then you've got a couple more coming up at Kelly's in, in still Weatherford. Weatherford, Weatherford, Weatherford Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yes. And then Jay David. Jay David's, yes, yeah, that. And he's in Oklahoma as well. Yeah, he's in Oklahoma. I just, it's like I have an open wound for Oklahoma. Oh, you just yeah. like those tornadoes, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we want to thank you so much for taking the time out of thank your you. day and talking with us and thank everyone for listening. If you want to see where all of the parlay events are going to be this fall and holiday season, we regularly update that on our Instagram account. There's like a little highlight button that you can push to see where all of our future events are. And as always, if you want to see what we do in our real life, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Parlay Gems. I'm Brecken. And I'm Jonathan. And I'm Marty. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later, guys.